0: the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Swing and a drive. Swing. There's a shot. High drive. Out of here. This laser beam of a home run for Brandon Crawford. First home run of the year for the Giants, and it's Joey Bart. Is. Challenger strikes out swinging. Swing and a miss. He struck it out. What a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo Doval gets the save. Inside Giant Dostrepsky. moments. Justrepsky. Go. No! And late-night LeMond strikes nice again. And his belt was all over it. The captain. Great call, Berger. With Adam Copeland.
1: Welcome back into the Inside Giant Moments podcast. I'm your host, Adam Copeland. A really, really fun episode for you today because we've got a big event on Saturday at Oracle Park. Retiring number 22 for all-time fan favorite and all-time San Francisco Giant great, Will the Thrill Clark. A guy who defines an era of Giants baseball for so many people. So many legendary stories about him from the home run, leading off his career, the first swing he ever took in the big leagues on opening day against Nolan Ryan. How about playing 65 games in the minor leagues before going from single A to the major league lineup and helping the Giants in 1986 right the ship the first winning season in 86 since 1982 when they eliminated the Dodgers Joe Morgan did uh, at the end of that uh, that season and kept the Dodgers from going to the playoffs after the Dodgers had eliminated the Giants so going back and forth in that rivalry but it had been some down baseball for a number of years they lost 100 games in 85 Will Clark gets drafted number two overall in Major League Baseball's draft out of Mississippi State and a year later less than a year later he's in the big leagues hitting home runs off of Nolan Ryan so many legendary moments you think about the grand slam off of Greg Maddox, the the single off of Mitch Williams, Superman has done it again to send the Giants to the World Series against the A's back in 89 but for so long the Giants only retired jersey numbers of guys who were in the Hall of Fame right of course you know number 30 Cepeda 24 Willie Mays is up there and uh, so on and so forth I know they did Monty Irvin at one point uh, years and years ago uh, uh, soon after the ballpark opened actually I believe and Willie McCovey 44 you got Gaylord Perry up there and now by the way we've got another guy who's not in the Hall of Fame and absolutely deserved to have his number retired that's Barry Bonds back in 2018 the Giants sort of broke their structure of that and said, you know what? This guy meant so much to this ballpark. He meant so much to the fans, so much to this organization. It should not be up to the Hall of Fame to decide this guy is a Hall of Famer for our organization. And that's why the retiring of a number is essentially that. It's not the Wall of Fame. You're putting a guy in as high regard as he can be in an organization saying that you meant so much to this team and to these people, to these fans, to this city and this area that nobody will ever wear this number again because when you think about this number, you should only think about this player. And that's how I. To feel about number twenty-two, and I know Giants fans for years have felt that way. He's probably, I think we can all agree, the best San Francisco Giant as far as ability, skill, what he meant to the team, the uh, the basically changing the face of the franchise in, in nineteen eighty-six when he showed up. As we said a minute ago, sort of riding the ship and getting the Giants back on track makes you think a little bit about what Buster Posey and Tim Lincecum and Matt Cain and Bumgarner did, but Will Clark showing up to a team that had lost a hundred games and letting them believe that they could win. Mike Kruko, uh in this conversation is going to talk a lot about what he meant to the clubhouse, uh, what he meant to uh, to the team, and what he meant to the fan base, the city of San Francisco. This guy was uh, was brash, was not a bragger, but he was boisterous and had all the confidence in the world in himself. And that's why he put up Hall of Fame-like numbers in his career, a three hundred three career batting average. And I- I'm just going to go off the road here just to take a-, a quick little shot. Edgar Martinez is a hell of a baseball player, one of the all-time great hitters. If you look at his career numbers, they are comparable to that of Will Clark. He did have a few more home runs. He did have uh, some statistics and some numbers that are going to be on top of Will. But I'll say this. Will Clark... Wore a glove on the field. Edgar Martinez was out there as a designated hitter. I know he played some first base, played some third base, but for me, if you're putting up those numbers and you're doing it on the defensive end, and if Edgar Martinez is a DH and in the Hall of Fame based on being a great designated hitter, I'm not sure just because uh, Will Clark doesn't have 500 career home runs as a first baseman why he's not getting the looks. But on the heels of that, and before we talk to Mike crew I'll tell you a story about first time I ever met uh, Will Clark. I was 13 years old, and uh, we were at the the we were in Half Moon Bay. My my dad used to MC this event. And I think it might've been the first or second year of this event. It was the Bobby Bonds Memorial golf tournament. And a bunch of former baseball players came out there. Got a great chance to talk to Brooks Robinson and uh, Burt Campanaris was there. I I had some really cool conversations, Uh, some great stories from guys who like pitched for the pirates, Bill Kosky in 1951, who pitched one season for them, but uh, had a career ERA of nine in that one season in 1951. However, Never gave up a hit to Stan Musa. That's what he kept telling me when I was 13 years old. That was his claim to fame, he thought, for his big league career. Anyway, uh, I, I'm into the restroom. I'm 13 years old. I've been talking to players, getting autographs. I go into the restroom. and I'm minding my own business, and uh, here comes a guy, walks in, big dude, and he, he sort of stands next to me, he goes to the, uh, to the stall next to me, and he goes, hey, big man, says hi, and I, I look around. There's nobody else in there. He must be talking to me. I turn and I look up, and I said, oh, my God. You're Will Clark. (laughs) And he turns back and he looks at me and he says... Yes, I am. So then I'm starstruck. You know, Will Clark, he's an all-time San Francisco Giant. This is the coolest thing for me uh, at this event. So I start going to the to the sink to wash my hands, and I made sure I washed real slow, let him finish his business, and I wanted to be able to talk some baseball with Will the Thrill. And sure enough, the nicest guy I could have asked for asked me about my Little League team or my Babe Ruth team and talked to me about hitting, talked about approach. We talked about players in the game, guys he liked to watch, uh, how his career went, uh, playing for the Cardinals at the end and Tony La Russa and all that, playing in St. Louis after the great back-and-forth the Giants had with the Cardinals in the 1987 LCS. And we talked for about 20 minutes or so. He was very generous with his time. Super cool guy. And as he turns to walk away, I think we all want to see our guys get into the Hall of Fame, right? Turns to walk away to go back to, to talk to some other people or whatnot. And I said, hey, Will. And he turns and he looks over his shoulder, and I said, Hall of Fame next year? Like, hopeful, question mark, smiling. And he just gave me the Pfft. Yeah, kid. Okay. <laughs> so I was thinking about that story because while he's not in the Hall of Fame, he is certainly in my mind, and I know in a lot of Giants fans' minds and hearts, a San Francisco Giant Hall of Famer, and that's what we're going to honor him with on Saturday, hanging up number twenty-two, and that again is going to open the floodgates for all the great Giants of these World Series teams: your Posies, your Crawfords, your Matt Canes, your Tim Lincecum, your Madison Bumgarner, and of course, number fifteen, Bruce Bochy. At some point, we'll have that number hanging up at Oracle Park. But how about a guy who played? A alongside will clark a guy who started the game that will clark hit his first big league home run in off of nolan ryan oh yeah by the way he got the win out there mike kruko outdueled nolan ryan on opening day april 8th 1986 when will clark made his debut so here it is our great conversation with mike kruko about the all-time giants legend will clark What a pleasure it is to have Mike Kruko on the Inside Giant Moments podcast. And uh, and for good reason, this weekend we're retiring Will Clark's jersey at Oracle Park Saturday evening against the Cubs. Should be a lot of fun. Mike, thanks for coming by the podcast, man. How are you?
2: Uh, Doing great. And uh, anytime you want to talk about Will Clark, I don't care if it's three in the morning on New Year's uh, Day, just call me up. One of my favorite subjects.
1: He's, he's a blast and uh, and, he, and he's a great guy to talk baseball with. I've run into him numerous times around the ballpark and all he ever wants to do is talk hitting. And uh, Saturday is going to be a lot of fun, man. We've said for years that, that, and I think a lot of credit goes to Peter McGowan and Larry Baer, that the Giants do celebrations better than anyone in baseball and maybe better than anybody in sports. I, I really do get fired up for these events because they're really exciting. You bring out all the, the historical players and it's blast from the past. It's a lot of fun. Will Clark gets the ultimate honor. No Giants ever going to wear number 22 again. How cool is that, man?
2: Well, it's, it's remarkable for a number of reasons. Uh, Number one, it's, it's the ultimate that a player can achieve in the eyes of the fan base where he played, because in their minds, he becomes unforgettable. He becomes uh, a legend. And, uh, and the fact that nobody is ever going to put that uniform on again is uh, that that's a feeling that an athlete uh, experiences and it, it's it's shocking to your system because of just what it means. When you think of this is an organization that people have been wearing number twenty two for one hundred and forty years, now all of a sudden it's no longer available. I mean that's pretty powerful. And I think the, you know when Will Clark gets out there on Saturday and and this all hits him. I mean his, he's he's going to get jelly leg thinking about it. And that's the most powerful most powerful thing, is that he is leaving his mark on a on a region, on a fan base, on a city. Um, that will, will, will last forever, and, and that's extremely powerful. Plus, the other thing is you look at who he's up there on the wall with, and then that is humbling because when you got to the Giants organization, he was a second-round pick in 1985 uh, in the country. He was a first-round pick, but the second guy picked, and when he, uh, when he signed on, you know, he, he, he didn't sign on just to, to make the team or make an all-star team he signed on to make it to the hall of fame i mean he had that type of confidence that he could possibly do this now he never talked about that but it's just the way he carried himself he just felt that that he was born to be a baseball player he was born to do something special and what he did and now on saturday he's going to be recognized for it and the number that he wore will never be worn again and that is powerful
1: well, you said it uh, beautifully, man, that, uh, that, that it etches you in history and it, it makes you a legend and, and uh, you're forever uh, uh, there in the minds of the fan base. And I think for Will Clark, he's a guy that, that was like that anyway. And so I've always thought it was cool that the Giants only for a long time retired numbers of guys who went to the Hall of Fame and they amended that with Barry Bonds in, in 2018. And rightly so. It felt a little weird to me to see other guys wearing 22 out there. So once Will was gone and, and a lot of fans had him as a sort of a, a defining icon or, or person or player in, in Giants baseball for an entire era, once they retired, number 25 were you hopeful that he was going to be the next guy
2: yeah I was uh and uh, <clears throat> you know the hall of fame is uh, I mean it's unpredictable and uh you know it, 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 it's just out of your hands and you know the Giants have seen some incredible candidates for it that have not been uh, accepted um Barry Bonds for one and I love the fact that the Giants set precedent with Bonds because uh, the Giants knew just exactly what Bonds meant to, to the Giants fans and uh and I just, you know, I can't imagine anybody ever wearing that uniform again. I mean, I, it happened with Will Clark where there were other guys that wore 22 after he retired or actually after he was uh, left the Giants organization after 1993, um, but it never sat right with, with anybody. I mean, if somebody wore 22 and it wasn't Will Clark, they weren't happy about it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so now they don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and I like the fact that, you know, we recognize Will Clark as a Hall of Famer. We, the Giants, the Giants players that played with him, uh, the Giants fans. And, and the Giants have, uh, have recognized that and they've responded. Um, I didn't think there was one day that I played with Will Clark that I wasn't playing with a Hall of Famer. I think that's the presence that he had in our clubhouse. That's the way that I perceived him. And I think that everybody who's ever played with him uh, in a Giants uniform felt the same way.
1: Well, in today's game, we have so much access to, to the minor leaguers and the stats and the video and the metrics. You, you can almost follow a guy from the moment he's drafted, uh, watching video or, or watching at-bats of him on, on MILB.com. You can almost follow him from the time he's drafted to when he gets to the big leagues if he makes it there. I imagine that was a lot tougher to do. At the time Will Clark was drafted, he was taken number two overall, as you mentioned, in 85. Already won the Golden Spikes Award and played for Team USA. He was known in baseball circles. <laughs> there had to be hype around him, I imagine, within the organization. Can you remember the first time you saw him play and what you thought of him?
2: first time I saw him play was in the uh, college world series. Um, he was, uh, Mississippi state had gone to Omaha. And, uh, so, you know, you're on the road, you're watching, uh, college baseball and everybody had an interest in it. And uh, they started talking about this kid, Will Clark. And, uh, you know, the very first time I ever saw him taking a bat with that swing, I went, Oh my God. (laughs) I mean, it's just, it's just such a naturally beautiful swing. Uh, it's technically perfect. It's, uh, it's uh, a swing that, that would stand out in any generation. I mean, even today, I mean, it's, it's kind of how the swing has evolved. Everybody, everybody tries to be like that swing. That's how good that swing was. So we, that was our first look at him. And uh, I mean, he had, he hit the ball great and we didn't have a very good team in 1985. We lost a hundred games and we didn't swing the bats well. And when the Giants signed him, it was like, get this kid up here. You know, We don't have anybody that's got a swing like that. <clears throat> and um so we had to wait half a year. Went, he went to uh, Fresno, played A ball, and, uh, and they won the Cal-, Cal League championship. And then spring training comes along. And, he, I mean, he, he didn't have a guarantee that he was going to make the club out of spring training in 1986. But keep in mind, we lost 100 games. So that meant that we were going to come back to spring training, the veterans, and we were going to have to answer questions about 1985. They're going to have to rehash why we didn't win, why the team didn't produce. How are we going to uh, be much better this year? The club didn't really go out and make any big uh, acquisitions of free agents. What? What did we? What? What could we tell Giants fans? That it was going to be any any different? And and a lot of people before the season picked the Giants to lose 100 games again. We get to camp, and uh, there was this energy source came walking in with a pair of cowboy boots and a. And uh, an eager look on his face. And uh, right away, he felt comfortable. It was Will Clark. Right away, he was comfortable. This is where he was meant to be. And that's the way he felt. And the beautiful thing about it was all the writers picked up on it, too. I mean, he didn't ask for for interviews from, from writers. But just the, the way he carried himself and the reputation he brought into the clubhouse, they wanted to talk to him, which we thought was great. All of the the veterans from the 85 team are going, I don't want to go out to rehash 1985. And here's this guy over in the corner who's taken all the heat off of us by doing all the interviews. And then he started to have a great spring. And as spring rolled on, it was just kind of obvious that, you know, this guy has a chance to make this club. And now all of a sudden, there comes a point in time when all of us in who was going to make that club, were are looking at this rookie and we're thinking, we hope this guy makes the club. And indeed he did. And uh, and it was just, um, you know, we, we broke camp that year. and We had a road trip that went to Houston, which was going to be a very good team, and then on to L.A., and they were going to be a very good team. Remember, the Giants had lost 100. So, you know, people were saying if they could win one or two games on this road trip, that, uh, you know, that would be good for this young team. We had a lot of rookies, and nobody was counting on us to do anything. And uh, we rolled into Houston, and uh, I think mean, we all know, and we see it all the time, the first swing of the bat that – Will Clark ever took on opening day in 1986 in Houston, in the Astrodome against Nolan freaking Ryan. And he hits it over the wall in center, which nobody did in Houston. And, uh, and it was like, let the games begin. We kind of all looked around and we we hadn't even hit the field yet. We were just sitting there waiting to go on the field uh, in the bottom of the first. And we're all looking at each other going, who is this guy? Well, we would win two out of three in Houston. We'd go on to LA and we would win two out of three there. And then it was off and running. But I'm telling you, the the thing that Clark did for all of us was just give us that little extra bounce on our step. This was an energy source. We all knew that he was going to be good and he produced immediately.
3: Here's Nolan's 1-1 offering to Clark. Fly ball deep to center field. Tony Walker heading for the warning track for Will Clark. It is out of here. Will Clark, his first major league at bat, and he pounds it over the 400-feet mark off Nolan Ryan.
1: Well, I mean, obvious, obviously he had the confidence and he had the poise and, and you pointed out he steps up opening day, the first swing he ever takes in the big leagues. He became at the time the 50th player in Major League Baseball history in 1986 to Homer in his first big league plate appearance, which is just unbelievable. Uh, you talk about his confidence. Was it almost, I don't want to say it's naive, but but he carried himself in a way that, that he just knew he was going to find success at the big league level. I saw an interview with him after that home run where he said, yeah, I've been around. I've lived a little at 22 years old. He said that after hitting the home run off a of Nolan Ryan, which cracked me up, but he carried himself like that from day one, huh? Yeah,
2: you know, he did, but um, it, <clears throat> he was so inexperienced with uh with the, the lay of the land, and he was so green. I mean, he was <laughs> he made a lot of rookie mistakes that rookies make and whatnot, and uh, just you know, I, I you know, he needed uh, he needed some guidance, and uh, and we had a, uh, some really good veterans on the club that uh, that he looked up to, you know, and he was really good about listening somebody had to say something that would make him better or make his life easier on the field or off the field, you know, he, he would listen. He would all, he was all ears. He came uh after spring training. Uh, my wife, Jennifer and I, uh, we suggested that he come up and uh, live with us. We had a, a basement uh, bedroom and whatnot where he had his privacy and had a kitchen and whatnot. Uh, and he did. And uh, so he lived with us for two years and he basically became uh, another child in our house uh, <laughs> in the eyes of my wife, she adopted him and, you know, he was just so effervescent, and full of life. It was just amazing. Uh, But we would drive to and from the ballpark uh, daily and uh, we would have conversations about baseball daily and the questions that he would ask, I mean, were really surprising things that he saw at an early age and things that, uh, that, that he sensed in the course of a ball game had everything to do with instinct. He was a pure baseball player, you know, things made sense to him. You know, he picked up on ways to be able to, uh, you know, pitch it, uh, watch it, watch a pitcher and, and pick up when he was tipping a pitch. His first step on the bases, his first step uh, uh, on defense. I mean, they were just all cut above. Um, so I, I think that, you know, he carried himself with, with confidence, but he wasn't a bragger. You know, he wasn't in your face. I mean, he wasn't a guy that was or uncomfortable to be around because he just felt that he was so much better. I mean, he just wasn't, he was a good teammate. And, uh, and really, I mean, despite what anybody would say, I, I thought he was a very humble rookie. Um, and the game kind of humbled him in his rookie year. If you take a look, he pitched, he played less than 120 games that mm-hmm. first year, he got hurt in Montreal, uh, going on a, on a pop-up down the line and he really hurt his elbow. It was an injury that would bother him the rest of his career. Uh, and it actually cut his season short. But, um, you know, he still wound up hitting 280-something, and uh, um, but we lost him. I mean, you know, I mean, we were that, – that last, uh, you know, month or so, you know, we didn't have him, and uh, we wound up finishing third and sort of resurrected uh, our image in the eyes of uh, Giants fans after the 100-loss season. But I just would like to have uh, known how it could have all turned out had Clark been able to, to end that season. You know, I always thought that, uh, you know, we were really starting to come together. When we lost him, we lost a lot of steam.
1: It sort of reminds me of Buster Posey in 2010, kind of coming up and immediately making that impact. And, and 86 sort of played out the way 2009 did. The Giants had like 88 wins that year. And 86 was a good year for Giants fans. First winning season since 82. Roger Craig, the the full year uh, as the skipper. You won 20 games that year. Here comes Will Clark and literally changes the uh, complexion of the franchise on day one. And it was sort of a start of a new era of Giants baseball. You said it sort of humbled him and he did have a big personality and, and a sort of a boisterous demeanor. As you said, not, not rub it in your face or anything, but I think sometimes Sometimes it comes off like that can rub veterans the wrong way how quickly did he become a leader and how much did his attitude completely play or, or change your guys success for that season because sometimes like we said coming in and, and not really knowing better and, and having that fire can can ignite a clubhouse it seems like you
2: no know, he's really good about it <clears throat> but we had like our team really those first four years of his career we had a lot of old pitchers and a lot of young players mm-hmm. and uh and I think that the uh, you know the the older pitchers uh, were the guys that kind of you know held the kangaroo court and kind of established the rules and whatnot. And all the young players, um, you know, you take a look at the guys that came through here, the young guys, you know, Robbie Thompson and Bob Melvin and uh, and Clark, of course, and uh, Kevin Mitchell and and uh, uh, Chris Brown and and uh, all these guys, you know, they they came in and, and they watched how we went about being a professional player and a lot of what, what they learned in those first three or four years, you know, they took with them the rest of their career and then they passed it on to other people as they became the leaders in the clubhouse. Um, Will was, uh, you know, he was a presence guy, you know, his energy. And sitting, so, you know, we think about Pablo Sandoval and all the energy that he would bring daily. Um, Will Clark was that kind of guy. I mean, he never had a, a bad day. Mm. He came to the, to the ballpark and it was game on, it was ready to go. And, uh, You know, it was just infectious, and I think everybody in that team adopted that same personality. You know, when we got to uh, in '87, um, was the year where you know all these guys sort of came of age, and they came of age quickly. But they they had this mental toughness about them. You know, the young nucleus of uh, of our players, our everyday players, they had a mental toughness that uh, I thought was what just set the tone for the franchise. And Clark was a huge part of it. And uh, you know, they went to the playoffs. We went to the playoffs in 87, went to the playoffs in 89, went to the World Series in 89. It was just, it was just, uh, it was just fun to be around guys that, that thought about baseball 24-7, that it was on their mind that they wanted to do nothing more than find a way to beat you. And, uh, and that, was, that was really the, the philosophy and, and the energy that drove those teams. And Clark, was he was a cornerstone. That's
1: why that 86 team is so beloved. I think it's my mom's favorite team of all time, that, that 86 team. She still rocks 86 T-shirts uh, from that, that, uh, that team and, and has good memories of it. So, so as a pitcher, you're watching him hit. You studied his at-bats. He lived with you. You talked baseball. Uh, you talked about uh, how to grow throughout the big leagues. What about his approach made him so dangerous? I know you didn't face him, but what about him made him so tough to get out?
2: Well, first of all, you couldn't throw a fastball by him. I don't care. I mean, you know, we used to laugh about it and say, well, Clark, if you fired a 22 rifle into the strike zone three times, the third bullet he'd pull. And it's kind of the way it was. He, he just, you know, you could not throw the fastball by him. And the other thing, too, about Clark that was so special was how he would adjust within an at-bat, within a game. What you got him out with in that first at-bat, don't think you can get him out on it again. He didn't have a two-pitch weakness.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, he was uh, just very difficult to pitch to. Knew the strike zone, incredible quick bat, um, used the whole field. Um, I mean, he had one of the heaviest bat heads I've ever seen. When when he gripped the bat, the bat laid in his hand, and his his grip was so light that when he threw the bat head, it, it the ball had just exploded. And, uh, and, you know, from a pitching perspective, you know, I never had to pitch to him. Never had to pitch against him. And I really don't know how I would have tried to get him because, uh, you know, he's just one of those hitters that he's going to make solid contact. You know, I, I had a chance to play with Bill Buckner and uh, and Bill Madlock in, in Chicago. And, and uh, you know, they hit the ball hard three or four times. Seemed like every day. They didn't always get hits, but they hit the ball hard just about every time. I played with Pete Rose and Mike Schmidt in Philadelphia. You know, and it was that way. Uh, they hit the ball hard all the time. And Will Clark was one of those guys. He hit the ball hard every day, and uh, you know, if from a, a pitcher's perspective, a teammate's perspective, you know that he he had batter's box accountability. You counted on him and doing something. He wanted the moment, and uh, you know, he, we all became a fan of his when he was up there swinging the bat. I mean, and I think that's excitement from within clubhouse, and I know it carried on into the stands, and of course it did. Now he's unforgettable, and he's going
1: yeah. up on the wall. That's what's so great. I mean, about him and, and the nickname thrill when the lights came on, he performed like in the playoffs. And we'll get to that, that 89 NLCS game one. I read somewhere and I, th- I think it was, was it Bob Brenly who nicknamed him Will the Thrill?
2: Absolutely. Brindley, uh was very clever, has great wit. And, uh, you know, he nicknamed him Will the Thrill like the third day of spring training in 1986. <laughs> and man, it stuck like glue when he named him the thrill. It just uh, we just laughed about it. And it was like, oh, perfect. That is perfect. We should just change his name. Put Thrilled Twenty Two on the back of his uni. Uh,
1: that's fantastic. That's uh, it good, was perfect, uh, and
2: he he lived up to it.
1: Yeah, he did. And and then so 89, I want to ask you about about that season, because it seems to me, and I know uh, he loses the batting title on the final day of the season to Tony Gwynn and Tony Gwynn gave him props. And I think it was like three hundredths of a point or something he lost by Gwynn had three hits and he had one hit on the final day. But NLCS game one, huge day at Wrigley Field. He doubles, then he homers, then he hits a grand slam, then he singles, and then just for good measure, he draws a walk in his final plate appearance, drives in six runs. You guys went 11 to three. Uh, Again, he'd been fantastic for his first three years, but it seemed to me, it feels to me like that was year, he really started putting it together on another level and, and raised the batting average, raised the walk total. And, uh, and obviously helped you guys get to a world series.
2: That whole, uh, series against the Cubs was, uh, it, it was Clark against Mark grace and those two guys put on a show. It, it was, it was unbelievable. And, uh, what I bring that up is that, you know, will love the bright lights. I mean, he wanted the moment. He wanted that at bat that was going to be, uh, the game on the line at bat against any pitcher it didn't matter. And, uh, when he got to the bright lights of uh, postseason, it was the second time he'd been there after, uh, you know, a very disappointing seven-game series loss to the Cardinals in 87. We learned a lot in 87. And that all got applied in 1986. And 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 you you could just see him. He was just so focused going into that series. He knew he was going to go off. And then it became a one-on-one. It became him against Mark Grace. And that uh, that little side story to the playoffs was – remarkable to watch. And, uh, you know, and you think about the, the big hits that he had, and then the biggest hit, uh, in Candlestick Park, uh, off of Mitch Williams, the hard thrown lefty who threw the pitch. He wanted to throw the high fastball above the letters, and Clark turned around, back up the middle, run score. Giants would never give up the lead. We would win a National League championship. It was just, uh, it had to be. I mean, it was just almost destined that Will Clark would get that hit.
1: Maldonado with a lead from third. Butler off second. Thompson from first on the pitch. And Clark
3: hits it up the middle and a center field base hit. Maldonado-
1: Wild things got to know you can't throw a fastball past Will Clark. That's the deal, right? Yeah, uh, do it. And that's a, that. That game one against the Cubs, six RBI set a, a playoff game or a playoff record in his eleven total bases, most ever in a National League playoff game at the time. Don Zimmer had that great quote after uh, he had a hell of a week tonight. <laughs> Don Zimmer after that game, drive it in six and uh, and reaching base all those times. Uh, there's a great story off of that grand slam that he read Greg Maddux's lips saying fastball. Uh, did, was that? Was that normal for pitchers not to talk into their glove? Was it just a misstep by Maddox? And, and what, what was said when he came back to the dugout about that?
2: Well, nobody would cover their face. So, you know, and that's one great example of how perceptive Will Clark was. He was over there in the on deck circle and he had what, 2012 vision or something. I mean, he was a freaking eagle eye. And uh, he's sitting there in the, talking to Kevin Mitchell and he's looking at, at Maddox's face and he saw him lip fastball. And that was it he goes he's gonna throw a fastball to mitchell and he went up there and he was looking for it and he hit it and he hit it out of the ballpark grand slam see you later game over and he did it against arguably the the best pitcher that i've ever seen uh you know it, it just was a remarkable piece of hitting and he set it up in the on-deck circle just by being attentive just you know part of the legend
3: clark trying to nail to the wall high drive into deep right field. Has a grand slam home run. Will Clark, one of the great hitters in the National League, one of the great hitters in baseball, has a double and two home runs, one of them a grand slam. And that has broken it wide open. The Giants' eat in the cup.
1: Boy, does he have intensity? Yeah, I wrote that down. I said it just adds to the legend of Will Clark. So, I mean, that changed the game of baseball. Guys, now you can't go out there. And, and now we've got pitch comm and stuff. And, and guys don't want to put anything down. And, and that moment in 1989 sort of changed the way pitchers and, and catchers communicate in at bat.
2: That's correct. And, uh, you know, it's just how the game has evolved. And, uh, but, you know, a lot of other things that Will did, you know, I mean, he, he was just that kind of player. He was always thinking ways to get better, ways to improve his swing, ways to, to, uh, to maintain a, a hot streak. Um, but then, you know, it always got back to one thing. You know, anything that he ever did on the field, he was never surprised. He had huge expectation. And he went out there, and, you know, if you go out and hit four home runs and knock in 12 runs in one game, it wouldn't surprise him. It, you know, it just wouldn't surprise him. And, uh, I mean, that, that, that's just a really deep-seated, Confidence, and uh, and that's a confidence that's contagious. That's a confidence that makes everybody better.
1: And it was contagious to the fans. That's why he's been a fan favorite for so many years. Uh, is there a moment we've we've run through a couple of them here? Is there a moment, or a play, or a series, or even a memory off the field that you think encapsulates the player that he was and what he meant to the Giants and the fans?
2: Well, I, I think uh, you know when we were marching down the the line in, in nineteen eighty seven, uh, none of us had been to the World Series or playoffs, really. Uh, There's just a handful of guys in the clubhouse that did. So it was so fresh. It was so new. It was so exciting. It was, uh, it was a carrot that everybody wanted to get. And we were so close as a team. And, uh, and it just seemed like, you know, every day we'd go out there. And, uh, you know, the centerpiece of that lineup was Will. And uh, it, it was just that it wasn't any one moment. It was just the vibe that, that he threw off. That everybody pulled from, and and I and I, you know, you know, I was liking it to the queen bee. I mean, he was the queen bee. He was, he was the guy where it was all starting from. We had a lot of incredible players in that team and a lot of incredible energies on that team, but uh, but he was the centerpiece. And uh, and that first march to the playoffs and when we clinched it in San Diego in 1987 uh, was one of the most exciting things that ever happened to us. And you know, and then we'll. Will Clark's reaction when he came off the field, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, he uh, he didn't really have a, a a way to 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 buffer uh, language or emotion. He just did, and uh, you know, kind of carried over to Tim Linscomb uh, a, a couple of generations later. But it was just uh, he was something else, man.
1: And that's sort of the same thing with Tim Lincecum. like, he, he would be genuinely surprised, like when guys would hit homers off of him early in his career, like he was so good, like he, he had that same sort of air about him that uh, he's like, I, I, I expect to be here, I expect to get these out. So uh, that, that sort of comp is a good one. And then yeah, poured over into into his celebration and, and vulgarity a little bit in those big moments.
2: Yeah. I mean, you think about the players in giants history, uh, you know, from Mays on up to, uh, uh, through Will Clark and then Mary Barry bonds and then Lincecum and, uh, and, uh, Buster Posey and, and Bumgarner and Matt Kane. I mean, these are like generational guys. You don't see them come around very often. And, uh, and when you get them, you know, you, you recognize it immediately. And that's the way it was with Clark. We realized we were playing with somebody really special and it, uh, it just stayed that way. Every game he put, ever put that giant uniform on, uh, we all felt we were going to win. I mean, and uh, and he had everything to do with that confidence.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a franchise rich with superstars, and he's certainly one of uh, one of the all-time favorites. Okay, so now the 22 has been taken out of circulation. Uh, I'm excited for, for what we're going to get next. It means we're going to get more of these things, I'd imagine, at some point in the future. I'm thinking 15 for Boch, 18 for Kane, 28 Buster, 40 Bum, 55 Timmy. Am I missing anybody? Somebody else that should be up on that wall, you think, at some point? Yeah, number 35. Who'd I forget? Oh, Brandon Crawford, of course. Of course, Brandon Crawford should be up there. He's still playing. I didn't think about it.
2: Yeah, I, I just think that uh, it, it's such a cool precedent. And, uh, and it, it's just so meaningful to not only the player, but the people that fell in love with that player, watching him play. Because every one of those guys, in the minds of, of the Giants fans, played the game right. They respected the the uniform. They respected the history of the Giants. And then they... They wrote their own chapter. And uh, I just think that's the coolest thing about it. And, you know, when, when they sort of opened it up with um, the inclusion of Barry Bonds and retiring number 25, we just couldn't wait for the next one. The next one's coming up this Saturday. Will Clark, number 22, tip my cap once again.
1: It's going to be so fun, man. We always have the question in my family when we're at the yard. We see somebody wearing 22. We go, is it, is it Jack or is it Will? And we usually we usually deduce that it's Will. But somebody may be wearing a Jack Clark 22 out there thinking uh, thinking about Jack. Uh, one more fun one for you at the end here, Mike. Uh, you started that game in, in the Astrodome, didn't you? Opening day, April 8th, 1986? I did. Against Nolan Ryan. You won that game. Uh, I was I was trying to get a little trivia in here at the end. Can You you have an incredible memory. You, you remember winning two or three there and then in L.A. Can you remember your line from that day when you, you outdueled Nolan Ryan?
2: No, I don't remember it. Uh, You know, I I knew that – I remember I pitched well, and, uh, you know, I I felt like, right off the uh, get-go. You know, having experienced 1985, when we didn't score a lot of runs and we didn't have a great defensive team, we found out in day one of the 86 season that we could score. We could score against an ace, a legendary ace, and we could catch the ball. And I remember coming off the field after that first start thinking – Damn, we got a good chance. I mean, that's after you know, with with a lot of people thinking this is going to be a hundred-loss team. After we got back from that road trip, going four and two against the Astros and the and, and the Dodgers, we felt that we had a chance. That's how significant it, it was. And for me, it happened on Opening Day in '86. I thought that this 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 team has a chance, and that was a wonderful feeling after watching, uh, you know, about. <laughs> Losing a hundred does a lot to you, man, and it's none of its good. So it all turned around immediately in game 186. So that's what I remember the most about my day.
1: Yeah, that's a a long six months, losing 100 games. You had a great day, though. Six innings pitch, five hits, three earned, four walks, and seven strikeouts. Uh, Your first of 20 wins that year, Mike. Uh, A great season. And I know 86 is one. Didn't end in a championship or anything, but I know it's an all-time favorite season for Giants fans. By the way, just against Nolan Ryan in his career, Will Clark, unbelievable. Hit three thirty-three in 36 at-bats, eight eighty-nine OPS. Took him deep six times. How about that?
2: like you say, you, I don't care. That's the best fastball. Jenner, that that was a fastball that lasted for twenty-five years. No one Ryan came in a power pitcher, went out of board, uh, He went out a power pitcher, and it, you know, it, it, there's nobody who threw harder. And Will Clark owned him, and uh, that's all you need to know about how good a fastball hitter he was. He's, he's good a hitter. Him. Period. Yeah.
1: He's throwing no-hitters hand over fist, but not if Will Clark's in the lineup. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun out there on Saturday, Mike. Excited to see you out there. Excited to see all the legends coming back and, and a lot of guys from that 86 team. It's going to be a blast. One of the all-time favorites. And we get to honor him. We get to say thank you to him and, and hang his number up and and hopefully he uh he gets to feel the love that all the fans in the Bay Area I know have had for him for a really long time. So thanks for thanks for sharing your experiences with Will with us. Uh, you're, a, you're a great historian of Giants baseball and, and you do such a good job to quote you of teaching us all the good book of Giants baseball. And today was about Will Clark. Thanks, Mike.
2: My pleasure. And I'll see you out there on the field on Saturday. Thanks for having me.
1: I must have said this on every episode of the Inside Giant Moments podcast this year. How lucky are we to have the broadcasters we have? I think about the calls and stuff, but not just that, that we've got guys in the organization like Mike Kruko who are a direct tie to a guy like Will Clark. Who knew that Will Clark lived with Mike Kruko for a couple of years and Mike took him under his wing and he was a 22-year-old kid and Mike was a grizzled vet and the ace of that staff in 1986 and He believed in Will. Will believed in himself. And because of that, the Giants got a whole lot better and made some really, really good memories. I know people who were fans of the team back then in 1986, Will Clark was was an icon for them, but also he was a guy who helped turn the franchise around. You think about guys like Eric Burns, who will be out there on Saturday, uh, grew up on the peninsula rooting for Will Clark. He he defines a generation of Giants baseball for a lot of people. Just very cool stuff. So everybody who's going out this weekend, make sure you get there early for the ceremony at 5 o'clock. You're not going to want to miss getting to say hi to guys like Robbie Thompson, and Eric Burns is actually going to be out there on the field. Mike Kruko just told us he'll be out there on the field. Uh, The hope is that you'll get to see a whole lot of guys and and walk down memory lane with all of these legends. Uh, Buster Posey, I think, is supposed to stop by also. His name was mentioned out there, and that's how many people Will has touched. He's still involved in the organization, still helping guys. I know he's very close with Joey Bart right now. Will Clark, one of the all-time great Giants. Make sure you're out there early and make sure if you're enjoying the podcast, you rate review and subscribe to us. You don't want to miss an episode of the Inside Giant Moments podcast all season long. Everybody, enjoy the games this weekend. Enjoy celebrating number 22. We'll talk to you next week. Swing and a draw! Home run for Brandon Crawford. This what a performance from Logan Webb tonight. Camilo
0: Doval gets the save. Is Yastrzemski And late night Lamont strikes again. Belt was all over it. The captain inside giant moments. It's headed for the bay. The third of the night. For Jock Peterson. With Adam Copeland. right strikeouts and they're on their feet. Here at Oracle Park, for Carlos Rodon.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever. Or, I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better